Thanks for tuning in to another Yak Podcast. We're continuing our series on Jonah this week, so we dive into Jonah too. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the work of John Piper and an article on regeneration that he wrote, uh, which I took a lot of this message from because I very much thought it pertained uh, to um, the passage that we dive into today. So, hope you enjoy. So we started Jonah last week, so let's review a little for those who missed it and to catch up our memories to where we stand. Jonah was a runaway, not just a run a way, but he ran his way. You see, Jonah was given a commandment by God to go to Nineveh to call the Assyrians to repentance. But Jonah said, no. God, I'm not down with that plan. I don't want to travel 500 or so miles to Nineveh. They aren't good people. How about you just wipe them out? While you are doing that, I'm going to make sure I'm nowhere near where you want me to go. So I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is in Spain, 2,500 miles away. I'll take a boat. What could go wrong? When was the last time you were outside the will of God? When was the last time you heard something hard, whether from a pastor, a youth director, your parents, a mentor, a book, a study group, and you knew in your heart it was a word from the Lord? And you said, nah, that one's not for me. Lord, how about you handle it? Go find someone else. I'm not going to go talk to that person, let alone talk to that person about you. So God forbid that they respond properly, right? Like actually repent of their sins and turn away. I don't want to share heaven with them. Have you met them? They're loud, obnoxious. They curse like a sailor, Lord. And we don't want sailors in heaven, right? I mean, really, I hate seafood. So he sets out against the will of God. As you can imagine, that doesn't go well for him. God follows and gets his man. But even when the storm of life that has Brought on, that he has brought on himself has caught up with him. He tells the people on the ship that he would rather die than go where God would send him. Talk about a rebel. Lord, kill me. Throw me into the ocean than send me to Nineveh. I'd rather die. I'm not going to those people. Did I mention I don't like them? And I have good reason to. It's logical to not like the Assyrians. They kill for fun. They mutilate, they torture for fun. These people deserve to be judged. We can all, we can have all the logical reasons why to challenge, why a challenge from God is a bad idea. But God calls you to follow him, even if it will make you uncomfortable. And as we will see in the prayer of Jonah today, many times, it means bringing you to the end of yourself before you finally learn to trust God. So let's dive into the text. We're going to read Jonah 1.17 through Jonah 2.10. So if you have that in your Bible... Look up Jonah. It's a minor prophet. It's like eight pages long. So if you don't know where it is, there's a table of contents at the beginning. 774 is if you're using a pew Bible and you haven't brought your own. Bring your Bibles every week. This is like the year of the Bible. So we're going to be in the Bible every week. Okay? So bring it. Okay? So Jonah 117 through Jonah 210. A great fish swallowed Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah's prayer. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. 
Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I wept down to the land whose bar closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you and into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, And it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Now, I do want to mention one thing just upon that last line. Mention how the fish is much more uh, responsive to the call of God than Jonah is. God spoke to the fish and the fish did it. God spoke to Jonah and he's like, nope, I'm going to go where the fishies are. Now, as I begin this talk... I want you to know that it's going to be difficult to capture this moment in Scripture because of where a lot of you are in your life experience. I struggled with this the whole entire week. Jonah has reached the end of himself as he runs from God. And many of you haven't even started yourself yet. You still live at the whim of your mom and dad. So for you, I know this is going to be hard to grasp. Okay, I get it. So as we look at this text, as I relate some stories, I want you to know I get it. This is hard. A lot of you haven't experienced death at your front door. A lot of you haven't experienced loss. A lot of you haven't experienced the pain that Jonah has gone through and some of the other people in our story. So it is hard for you to emotionally capture where Jonah is in this moment. But I do want you to pay attention because I do think you can glean wisdom from this because your moment is coming. Your moment is coming where you will be at the end of yourself. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be for, who knows, 20 years. But there will become a moment where life hurts and you really feel like you are in Sheol. You are in the death Okay, But I want you to pay attention and maybe, just maybe, you won't have to come to the end of yourself before you realize that it is God that starts yourself, not you. That's the beginning of wisdom I want you to pull from today. Now here in this passage, it seems that Jonah is recording his thoughts of this ordeal after being vomited onto the dry ground, reciting the words and thoughts that filled his lips both during his time in the belly of the fish and his time on the sands of the shore. And here we find Jonah finally at the end of himself. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Just think of it. Last week, Jonah was given the option to turn around and repent. And he said, no, throw me overboard. I'd rather die than deal with this. And now he's finally at the end of himself where he's finally turned and called out to God in the midst of his distress. I want you to understand this. It's your first fill in the blank. 
And you need to hear this, and you need to remember this, and you need to tattoo this, like, on your soul, because it's so easy. When I talk to college students and when I talk to adults, I get this response a lot. And I don't know if they've just heard it or they've suppressed it, but you need to hear it. And that is this. You are never too far away from the Lord to be heard. You are never too far away from the Lord to be heard. I met with a kid about six months ago over pizza. And I asked him, you know, when are you going to come to church? You got to come to church. He He said, I have to get right with God before I can come to church. I'm like, dude. I asked him what the gospel was and he was way off. Because he just didn't get the gospel. He missed it. The point. He thought to be heard before the Lord, I have to do X, Y, and Z before I call out. He was not as far away as Jonah was. And Jonah still cried out to the Lord. You too, in the midst of your rebellion, if and when it happens, you will never be too far away to cry out from the Lord. Like I know the group of people I am talking to. Some of you have no idea what far away from the Lord looks like. You've always been in church. Your parents have always tried to talk to you about the things of the Lord. To be far away from the Lord is foreign to you. And one of my regular prayers for you is that God never has to bring you to the depths of pain and rebellion to get your attention. But let Jonah also be a warning for you as it is for me. Even a prophet of God can run away. We've heard the stories of pastors falling into sin, many of whom I've known fall, have had much better devotion times than I have, and have had much better sermon outlines than I have. It is only by grace you haven't run to Tarshish, same as it is only by grace I too haven't run to Tarshish. But I want you to put yourself in the place of these characters, those who run away from God only to be met again. God will meet you. In the midst of your rebellion and your pain. Most of the time, we put ourselves in bad situations, don't we? It just doesn't happen to us. A lifestyle of regret follows poor decision after poor decision. But if we are in Christ, he doesn't leave us to our own devices. It is clear to Jonah that God orchestrated his discipline. Much like a father orchestrates the discipline of his child. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said... I am driven away from your sight yet. I love that yet. Anytime you see a a conjunction, it's a yet or a but, underline it in scripture or circle it because that's important. That means there's a contrast happening. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. There we find hope in the midst of suffering. We find hope in the midst of of discipline. When I have to spank my children, I always explain to them a few things. One, you have done something wrong. When you do something wrong in life, there are natural consequences. My discipline is one of them, but it is a loving discipline, not one that leaves you in pain. My desire is for you to know that you are loved in the midst of your fault. The discipline for Jonah is vivid as an ocean. I hope you never have to go there. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. So underneath even where the mountains go into the ocean. I went down to the land, the very bottom of the banks. 
whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Life happened to Jonah, and God finally drew him to himself. There's another story where the salvation of the Lord regenerates the rebel of God. John Piper tells the story well, so I'm going to use its words. It's one of those things I was studying this week, and you read the article, and you're like, man, I wish I could wait make those my words, but then it's just a cheap imitation. So I'm literally going to read you the words of Piper, because... He's a much better wordsmith than I am, okay? So many of you will be very familiar with this story because you've either read it in a book or you've seen it on the movie. In those pages, C.S. Lewis offered a powerful personal image of regeneration. The scene starts with Eustace, a rotten boy who has found himself in possession of a large fortune. He imagines the life and comforts he could now enjoy, and his comforts, he falls asleep with his treasure. You think of it? Jonah, on his way to Tarshish. Beach life, away from God and the Assyrians. 3,000 miles away from the Assyrians. Woo! So he falls asleep. Do you see the similarities? And when he awakes, Eustace is no longer a boy, but a dragon. An outward manifestation of his inner greed and selfishness. When he awakes, when Jonah awakes from the storm, he is in the midst of the storm. Much like Eustace in the midst of being a dragon. The gold bracelet he had put on his boy arm was now constricting his dragon leg, and the pain was piercing. Even worse, the physical pain mingled with the pain of realizing that he was now cut off from humanity, isolated and alone, and he begins to weep large, hot dragon tears. In mercy and compassion, Aslan arrives. And leads the dragon to Eustace to a garden on top of a mountain. And then to a well in the center of the garden. Eustace looks at the well and knows if he could just get into the water. The pain in his leg would be soothed. But Aslan says he will have to be undressed first. After a moment of confusion, Eustace remembers that he is a dragon. And that dragons have skin like snakes, which could be shed. With his new claws, Eustace begins tearing at his dragon's skin. He peels off one layer, only to discover another nasty scale, and rough layer underneath, and then another. After three layers, he realizes in vain he will never make himself clean or get rid of the pain or shed his nasty skin. You will have to let me undress you, says Aslan the lion. So desperate was useless. Eustace, even his fear of Aslan's claws, was not enough to stop him from laying down flat on his back, laying anxious on the ground, where what, here's, here's what Eustace felt. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done myself uh, the other three times. Only they had it hurt. And there it, was lying, there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobby looking than the others had been. And there was I, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that, 
much for I was tender underneath now that I had no skin on, and threw me into the water. It smarted like anything. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious, and as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm, and then I saw why I had turned into a boy again. After a bit, the lion took me out and dressed me in new clothes. I've cried many tears of sober gratitude at the grace in this scene. It is close. It stings and heals. As Tim Keller once said in his sermon, this is the next fill in the blank, the way to deal with guilt is not to avoid it, but to resolve it. The way to deal with guilt is not to avoid it, but to resolve it. Eustace not only realizes he couldn't get his own skin off, but that only God can come and take your skin off. And to do this, you have to let him pierce deep. You must take all the guilt on yourself and stop blame shifting and take responsibility for what you've done wrong. No excuses. Fall in the face. I look my son in the face. I too was a dragon, an ugly, nasty, snake-skinned creature deep in self-made misery, lonely and fearful. But because of the grace of God, the Lion of Judah beckoned me to the garden built on the mountain and to the well of living water. He made me a new creature and gave a hopeless sinner a future. Your scales, I pray, are never outright rebellion. But we will carry some rebellion in our heart. The desire for acceptance, comfort, independence, and self-reliance, too, are powerful skills that can weigh in a person's heart, especially in our culture. I will call you to several things here, several ways we need to cry out to God in the midst of our rebellion and bring to service some of the rebellion here at Yak. So here are three things I want us to just be aware of as we move forward. One, don't leave your brothers and sisters alone. We need to be inclusive. Don't leave your brothers and sisters alone. We need to be inclusive. Not just friendly, but with zeal to get to know one another, even if it means you're getting out of your comfort zone. I was talking to a former student once who said they didn't fit in in their new hometown church, that no one from work went there either, so it was hard for the worlds to cross. I asked him if anyone had invited him over for dinner, and he said no. I guess they're just unfriendly. I asked then whom he had invited over for dinner. He said nobody. I told him he fit right in at the church. He was part of the problem. Maybe it was time he became the solution and got on the phone and invited someone over for dinner. You know, I was right. We can't be alone in our endeavor to chase after the Lord. When we are alone, we are quick to run to Tarshish. Don't put yourself and don't put another Christian in that place of loneliness. Two, we need to be welcoming, not just friendly. It's really easy to ask people basic questions. What is the new thing you found out about X person this week? The second question should be, what is the new thing X person found out about you this week? Opening up is an invitation to open up. You will never be part of a group until you take that risk. And we are called to take that risk. In Jonah's case, to his enemy. While I will ask you to do the same, how about starting out with someone who could be a new friend? So I'm not even asking you to go that far. How about just someone who could be a new friend? 
Three, pray fervently to the Lord that he would renew your heart. Pray fervently to the Lord that he would renew your heart. I pray you don't have to go through the storms of rebellion to find Christ. I pray you hear stories both in scripture, whether it's Jonah, Saul to Peter, Paul, Peter, Zacchaeus, David, Esther, of men and women who tried to do things their way and take their wisdom and do things his way before the pains of this life are here to stay. But that can only happen if you plead with God to renew your heart. And I believe that according to Proverbs 2 and James 1, he who asks for wisdom shall receive it. Thanks for tuning in to another Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can find us at cccfrisco.org. Have a great week.